Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, Monday, November 22nd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers will be back at it coming up tomorrow night. Really important week of hockey is upon us. Tampa tomorrow night. Flyers looking to avoid losing three straight games for the first time this season after losing two straight games for the first time this season with a loss on Saturday night to the Boston Bruins. Then quick turnaround, stay in Florida, head from Tampa to Sunrise, Miami, and take on the Florida Panthers. Not an easy task on either one of those back-to-backs. And then the Flyers will return home to take on the Carolina Hurricanes on Friday, Black Friday game at 3.30, and they'll wrap up this week with a game against the New Jersey Devils on Sunday in New Jersey. But very important games this week. And when we look at these matchups and who they're going to take on, uh, it's paramount that they find a way to get goals. When you look at a team like the Florida Panthers, we saw them earlier in the season. The Flyers lost to them on that last game of that first four-game homestand of the season, and they lost 4-2. to Florida is a team at home that leads the NHL in scoring on home ice. How much so? That's the question, right? On their home ice, they are averaging 4.8 goals per game. 4.8 goals per game. That's an astounding number. They're 10-0 on their home ice. Now, conversely, on the road, the Flyers, when we look at their scoring, are 29th in the NHL at 2.14 goals per game. They've played seven road games, and they have a record of 4-2-1. It's stunning they have a record of 4-2-1 on the road in seven road games, only scoring 2.14 goals. Now, the reason probably why is because the Flyers on the road are one of the stingiest teams. They don't give up a lot of goals. They give up the fourth fewest amount of goals on the road. Again, seven games, four, two, and one, an average of 2.57 goals per game. That's fourth in the NHL. Uh, That's just behind Calgary, Carolina, Washington. Flyers number four, Kings number five, Sharks and Rangers in there as well. But they got to find a way to generate offense. How are they going to do that? Well, a great place to start would be with the power play. And the power play has really struggled for the Flyers. And the goal-scoring woes, they really started about 11 games ago. What was 11 games ago? So that's when they took on the Vancouver Canucks after they scored five goals the night before. They got a 5-3 win over the Edmonton Oilers on their first road trip. Then they had the back-to-back. Next night, they went to Vancouver, and they won a game 2-1. to Since then, in the 11 games, the Flyers have scored a total of 20 goals for an average of 1.81 goals per game. This is over an 11-game stretch. So they've got to find a way to find the offense. Now, Tampa Bay, coming off a loss against the New Jersey Devils. They actually lost on their home ice on Thursday night. Devils scored three third-period goals in that game to grab the win. And then the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning were back in action on— and then the Tampa Bay Lightning were back in action last night— at home again, and they got a 5-4 shootout win over the Minnesota Wild. So Flyers, a couple days off, time to rest the legs. We'll see if there's any lineup changes for the game coming up uh, on Tuesday. See what the, maybe Morgan Frost is a possible call-up. We shall see. But uh, the Flyers, and hoping for clarity as well, on Kevin Hayes' injury and a timeline for his return. You know, we talked about it in yesterday's episode. All the, the different ramifications on If Hayes is out a couple of weeks, if Hayes is out six weeks, if Hayes has to have another surgery, all these things are part of the equation. 
how Chuck Fletcher handles it will likely uh, be decided by the answers to those questions and how long a guy like Kevin Hayes will be out for. So it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. Hopefully we get some of that information. But I put a solicitation out on Twitter, and I said for tomorrow's Flyers Daily episode, fill in this blank. I like to do the fill in the blanks every once in a while. I'm a pretty simple guy. With Ellis and Hayes injured and the lack of goal scoring and more, the Flyers should fill in the blank. So let's go through some of the answers from the people on social media. Andreas Elm says, just keep fighting. It's a long season, and I believe in AV and the whole team. Hashtag bring it to broad. Well, that's, that's pragmatic, and it, you're right. It is a long season, but the question that needs to be answered is, is this a goal slump, or do they just not have enough firepower to generate enough goals? That's the question you got to ask yourself. If it's the former, yeah, keep fighting, and the goals will come. If it's the latter— you need to change something to generate more offense, generate more goals. Because like I said, through 11 games, 20 goals, 1.81 goals per game, that's not going to get it done. That is not a sustainable model to getting wins and winning games 2-1 to one throughout the rest of the season. On to the next fill-in-the-blank from Barry Schaefer. He says with the Hayes and Ellis injuries, lack of goal scoring and more, the Flyers should. He says if the Hayes injury is going to linger, it may make sense to go Hayes LTIR and bring in a guy like Tomas Hurdle. It all depends on what you give up and probably have to make an extension work to justify the assets, but that, that interests me. Maybe Hayes for the playoffs then too, kind of what Tampa did last year with Nikita Kucherov, LTIR'd him, and then when the salary cap is not in effect, came back for the playoffs. Hurdle's obviously a very interesting guy. He's on an expiring contract with a cap hit of $6.1 million. and if you LTIR'd Hayes, then yeah, you could do that, obviously. You could fit it. But the one thing with Hurdle is, you know, what are you going to give up to get him? San Jose knows that you're in a tough spot. And if they're going to trade him early and not when there's a forced deadline like the trade deadline where they can get multiple teams involved, it's going to cost you even more. So you have to ask yourself, what are you comfortable giving up to get him with, you know, the caveat that it likely would be a rental unless you want to re-sign him, but you have some cap gymnastics to do there as well. So, you know, he's an interesting name, but I don't know that any team is going to trade a guy like that anytime soon because it's a signal to your fan base that, you know, you're kind of throwing in the towel on the season. And ticket sales do matter, and perception of like that does matter, especially coming out of a pandemic where there were so little fans at games. But it may be the right prudent thing to do from a GM perspective, but we're not even at Thanksgiving yet. So I wouldn't look for something like that to happen anytime soon, which brings us to our next one, who is uh, Tartan Soul says, number one, remove uh, Michelle Terrian. Number two, go all in and land a game changer if they can find cap space like LTIR for Hayes or Ellis or deal JVR as part of a package. Number three, call up Frost in the meantime. Number four, move Yandel to power play one. Number five, sign Giroux and stop discussions about him leaving. And number six, higher ratio for Hart versus Jones. All right, so let's take a couple of these. First of all, call, call up Frost in the meantime. Absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, sign Giroux and stop the discussion about, discussions about him leaving. I don't think that, that really matters from a hockey perspective, other than maybe you just get annoyed by reading about it on social media. Yandel to power play one. I'm all in. I need a guy back there that's a really good distributor and can see both sides of the ice. As far as higher ratio for Hart versus Jones, you know, I think the usage has been fine. 
every team's got a, kind of a, a calculated number of days that they need to get their backup goaltender, their second goaltender into games. Because if you go too long, you won't get a quality start from your backup. And you can't ride the number one guy a ton because A, he'll wear out. That's when injuries happen. And you have to keep this backup engaged in the season by playing games. You can't simulate games in practice. Some guys, like Curtis McElhaney a couple years ago, I remember he was really effective and gave quality starts. I believe it was to Carolina. And he could go 18 to 20 days. Some guys, that window's a lot shorter, about 12 days, 14 days, once every five or six games. The schedule's going to be condensed at points because of the Olympic break. We're going to see a back-to-back tomorrow and Wednesday. That's a, a foregone conclusion that you're probably going to go Hart in Game 1, Jones in Game 2. Uh, but you have to keep the backup in. And Jones has played good this year. He didn't have his greatest game against the Boston Bruins, but he's not the reason they lost that game. Hutch tweets in and says, blow up the special teams. Power play and PK need a kickstart. Well, it's obvious. Yeah, you're right. The, the power play has been abysmal. It hasn't looked good. It hasn't generated a lot of great scoring chances. It's been upside down and ugly. Uh, they're, they're ranked on the power play this season, the Flyers. They're ranked in the NHL after 16 games, 15.4%. That's what they're clicking on, and they are 25th in the league. The penalty kill, on the other hand, I don't agree with you on the penalty kill. They took a lot of penalties early in the season, but the penalty kill, I think, is rounded into a pretty darn good form. They're killing off penalties at 83.3%. If I went back and looked at just the last 10 games, I think it'd be even higher than that. And that ranks, by the way, 12th in the NHL. The PK is not an issue. I think that's been good. The power play is an issue. So they got to find a way to fix it. They got to find a way to generate goals and do so uh, through that power play. West Polar tweets in and says, call up Morgan Frost. Simple. Yes. Totally agree. Uh, Bluff of Curmudgeon says, promote Frost. Same thing. Uh, Dan Knightley says, Chuck needs to make a trade like his father used to. Big time trade to get a 1C. Now, I saw that and I responded to Dan's tweet. And Dan's a, a very loyal listener to Flyers Daily. And I, lo- I love his interaction and everything. But they already have a 1C in Couturier. So I know I think he's dealing with something right now. He doesn't look 100% right. And it's very rare that a, a top-line 1C, if a team has it, they tend not to trade it. And not only that, but if it's a 1C, he's probably getting paid really well. So how are you going to fit this? Now, you do have you know, outliers and, and extreme circumstances like Jack Eichel, who, by the way, isn't even available for another three-plus months. But what Dan, Dan went on to clarify and say that what he's referring to is a dynamic offensive 1C. Couturier isn't that, he says. They don't have one in the pipeline either. As for who that is, GM's got to create an opportunity and pounce on one. A year ago, nobody had Eichel being traded. And he says, yes, I know the injury factor, but it came out of nowhere. But again, that does not happen often. Can you fit a 1C from a, a cap perspective? And, you know, if a team's got a dynamic offensive 1C, they're very likely not looking to trade them. That's what you look for, no matter where a team is in its evolution of contender, rebuild, or whatever it is. If you've got a guy that's got meat on the bone, can play, you're probably not going to trade him. So I just think that that's not a realistic part of the equation. Nick488 tweets in and says the Flyers should play harder. They look slow and lethargic. 
you know, they're not the speediest team in the NHL. There were points, especially early in the season, where a lot of people thought they, you know, they looked like they were a faster team. Somebody even tweeted me and said, uh, JVR is faster. And I said, I can assure you he's not. The way you play can make you look faster. So they need to play faster, and that's in transition, getting the puck up the ice, moving the puck up the ice quickly, and all of a sudden you look like a much faster team. So I don't know about play harder. I think they're playing hard. I think they're just struggling to score goals. I don't think it's an effort issue at all. I don't see an effort issue with this team. Uh, One more. C.J. Doherty says, uh, should have traded for Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason when they had a chance. They have solid complementary pieces, but no one who can drive offense consistently at 5-on-5 or on the power play. The lack of scoring is their fatal flaw. Well, if it continues, yeah, it is a fatal flaw because you can't win games 2-1 to all season long. Gaudreau this season has played 18 games. He's got 7 goals, 14 points, or 14 assists, and 21 points. He's a plus 12 on the season. As for the power play, he's got one power play goal and two power play assists. So, I mean, it's early. Three points on the power play, not bad, not great. It's not going to... But he is a dynamic offensive player, absolutely. But what you said initially, I'm not sure that that's true, that they should have traded for Gaudreau when they had a chance. I don't know that they had a chance. He didn't get traded. He's in the final year of his contract. That team's off to a good start. Daryl Sutter's done a real nice job there. But, I mean, he is a dynamic offensive player. There's there's no question about that. All right, that's going to put a wrap on the Twitter portion of this for the fill-in-the-blank, the Flyers should. And let's get right now to one more interview that I have left over from the Flyers alumni game. I held him off for last because he stands on his own. He was number 32 for the Philadelphia Flyers in the 80s. I had a chance to catch up with Murray Craven at the Flyers alumni game. Joining us right now is former Flyer Murray Craven, number 32. How you doing, Murray? Good, thank you. How's it feel to be back? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I get to see all the guys that I haven't seen in, you know, ages. So it's really a lot of fun. Uh, does, does those friendships and stories, like, rekindle right away? Oh, I mean, that's that's our common bond, are those uh, those stories. So... At first, it's kind of awkward to see a guy you haven't, and you don't know what to talk about, and then all of a sudden, you just roll right into the stories, and it just all comes back. So they're they're key to our, our communication. How would you kind of describe, you know, your time playing in this city? Because this city, you know, the reputation of the fans—they're finicky, they're passionate, they're hard on players and hard on teams. But how would you describe your time playing here? Well, we had tremendous success when I played here, so. Uh, it couldn't have been a better experience for me. Uh, we were just commenting, uh, talking about it with uh, Mike Keenan and Rick talking just now, and that I really never got back there uh, from leaving here. The, the closest of our team, I had success in other cities, but uh, it was never ever the same. When you saw Mike Keenan, did you get a shiver up your spine real quick, kind of? <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him over the years, so I've got over that shiver. <laughs> a little therapy always helps too, and a couple cans of those. Oh yes. Um, uh, have you skated? Have you skated all? Or? I do. I still play hockey. I had a, uh, my rotator cuff uh, shoulder operated on five weeks ago. So. so where are you playing? I play just in, in adult uh, league with, in, in Whitefish, Montana. You, so you live in Montana. Yes. What's the beer league like up there? It's really good. A yeah. lot, of, lot of transplants from Canada, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So, yeah, hockey's good. I, I say it all the time. All roads lead to beer league, no matter what level you played at, right? It definitely. It's just a waiting. You're just in, a, in the waiting room until you get to beer league. Um, you're in the Wells Fargo Center. It's obviously different than the Spectrum. But what was it like playing in that building? 
Well, it was, you know, it was special. I mean, even back in, when they were tearing it down, it was a quarter of the size of this beautiful building. But, uh, I mean, the atmosphere was incredible. I mean, you can ask even the opposing players. I played in it as an opposing uh, player also. So very intimidating building, uh, along with some others in the league that are no longer with us. But it was a special time to play. Barry, thanks for doing it. It's great to see you back here. Oh, thank you. There he is, Crafty Craven, as the sign man once put on one of his very famous signs, number 32, Murray Craven. So thank him for taking the time last week to join us, and uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. Flyers game day tomorrow, Flyers and Lightning tomorrow, kicking off a very important week of hockey. Flyers Lightning tomorrow, Flyers Panthers on Wednesday, Flyers Canes Black Friday matinee game at Wells Fargo on Friday, and Flyers Devils on Sunday. Eight points up for grabs this week. We'll preview the matchup coming up tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody. I walk the shore in isolation